Hi there. You're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show, where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. Billable hours suck. (laughs) There, I said it. If you work in a law firm that has a billable hour requirement, you're probably thinking the same thing. But here's the thing. They're not going away anytime soon. You can Google the words, the death of the billable hour, and you'll see that they started talking about that more than a decade ago, and billable hours are still alive and kicking. So I thought today I'd give you a few actionable strategies regarding billable hours that might help them suck a little less for you. First is to change your mindset around billable hours and having to enter your time. Oh no, here she goes again with that mindset stuff. So your mindset might be similar to what mine was early in my career. Why does it matter to me? Why does it matter if I increase my billable hours and put more money in the partner's pockets? It's not like they're giving me a percentage of what I'm bringing in. A lot of people think that. Why should this matter to me as a paralegal? Well, there are three big reasons. The first being that as a revenue generator for the firm, you have the potential to increase your own income, either through a bonus or a salary increase. Now, it might not be written in stone or guaranteed, but I can tell you that when I was a paralegal manager, I had a lot more leeway with bonuses and raises for the paralegals who were billing more hours. It's a given that the more money you make for an employer, regardless of whether you're a car salesman or you work for an e-discovery vendor, the more money you make for the employer, then the more potential you have to make more money. Think of it like this. There's a pool of money at the end of the year for raises and bonuses. Now, this is assuming that you don't even have a direct bonus that's based on the number of hours that you built. Some firms have that bonus structure where if you hit X number of billable hours, you get X bonus, and it's written out and clearly understood. I'm not talking about that kind of bonus. I'm talking about your standard year-end performance bonus. It's called a performance bonus for a reason. The size of your bonus is based on your performance. It's not based on, did you do exactly what's in your job description? It's not based on, well, I did everything that was asked of me and I did it correctly. It's supposed to be based on you performing above and beyond your basic job duties. Let's say that you're required to have at least 1,600 billable hours in a year and you hit 1,625 hours. The paralegal sitting across the hall from you also had similar good performance reviews, just like you did, and that paralegal billed 1,800 hours. In most situations, that paralegal is probably going to get a little bit bigger bonus than you. Why? Because it's easier for a manager to justify a bigger raise or bonus when they have solid numbers like that to show. Now, I don't ever recommend that it's based strictly on the number of billable hours, but it is one of many factors. 
When I was a paralegal manager, I used to focus on what the productivity numbers looked like as much as the bill blowers. What's the percentage of time that they're working compared to their bill blowers? I think that paints a better picture because you could have one paralegal who puts in 200 hours of overtime to get to the same amount of billable hours as someone else. For example, those numbers I just used, 1,625 hours. Let's say that person didn't have any overtime for the year, but the one who billed 1,800 hours had over 250 hours of overtime that year to get to that number. If you're just looking at the number of billable hours, you'd think, oh, wow, 1,800 hours looks great, until you look at the productivity. In episode 27, I went into more detail about the importance of that number and how to calculate it and what to do to improve it. After you finish this episode, go listen to that one. It'll be worth it, I promise. So that's the first reason it should matter. The second reason is increased job security. And again, this is not all law firms. Nothing I ever say is all law firms do this or all paralegals do that. So not all law firms, but some made layoff decisions back in 2008 and 2009 during the recession. They were made based on billable hours, not tenure. And it makes sense if you think about it. Why would a firm lay off an associate or a paralegal who's billing 2,000 hours a year and keep the other person sitting down the hall who's barely hitting 1,000 hours a year? The other thing about billable hours is that it's a metric that firms use to figure out how busy they are, how much work they have to do, how much staffing they need to consider. So if consistently they have someone who's billing, let's say, 800 hours a year and another person who's billing 1,800 hours per year, it makes sense. You'd have to say, well, that person doesn't have enough work to do. Maybe we as a firm or a team within the firm, we don't have enough work to keep all of these people busy. So maybe we need to look at reducing our staff. And they're not going to reduce the person who's billing 1,800 hours because they clearly are busy. So that's the second reason to change your mind and to think about increasing your billable hours, increased job security. The third reason is your future job potential. Maybe you don't care so much about the first two, and that's okay, but this one you should, because a lot of managers want to know in the job interview, and it could be an interview question maybe that comes up that you're on in the future, they'll say, tell me about your billable hours at your current firm. How many hours are you typically billing? What's the billable hour goal there versus how much you actually bill? Because as a manager, you don't want to get into a situation where you're hiring someone who for many years has worked at a firm that only requires 1,000 billable hours and the firm that you're working at that you're going to hire that person into has a minimum of 1,800 hours a year. You could be setting them up for failure. As a manager, you'd have to ask yourself, can this person do the job? Because part of the quote job is meeting that billable hour goal. And look, I know it's not easy. I was there as well. I had a billable hour quota that I had to meet. My entire professional career was spent working in a law firm and they all had high billable hour quotas. But let's look at it from another perspective as a business. That business, the law firm, its only source of revenue is its billable hour. It doesn't sell widgets on Amazon or have a store that people walk into to buy a product. 
The only way a law firm keeps its doors open and keeps people employed is from the billable hours that it brings in from people like you. And as someone with a billable hour quota, you have the potential to help with that. So let's shift our mindset and think of it more as a positive thing. If we can stick with me for a minute, you're adding to the bottom line. And the more you add, the more job security you have. So the three reasons, the big reasons why it should matter to you is one, the potential for an increase in income, either through raises or bonuses. Now you have to be patient with that. You won't get it right away, but I promise you it will come eventually. So increase in potential income, increase in job security, and an increase in our future job potential. Here's why mindset is so important. I could probably cite a hundred quotes around mindset, but I think this one is most relevant. The quote is, what we resist persists. Let me say that again. What we resist persists. We can buck against the system all we want and be aggravated or frustrated at the time that it takes even just to enter our time. We can wait until the last minute to enter it, hoping that someone's going to send out a mass announcement that morning saying, you don't have to enter your time anymore. Or we can stop resisting and start using billable hours to our advantage. You could shift your mindset and say, you know, this is actually a good thing because I'm generating revenue for the firm, which maybe makes me more valuable to them. All right. So the first tip was mindset. The second tip is to remember that you are a timekeeper in your organization. You're not the billing partner. I know you're laughing, but sounds kind of strange, but hear me out for a second. A lot of people who are timekeepers forget that the definition of a timekeeper is someone who accurately records the amount of time spent on a project or thing, or in your case, a client's file. Compare that to the billing partner whose role it is or responsibility it is to make sure that the amount of time and money that gets billed to the client is appropriate. And so as a timekeeper, ask yourself, Do you occasionally find yourself rounding down your time? Maybe it's a 1.0 and it doesn't look as good on the bill as a 0.8 or a 0.9. Maybe if you're like me, you were told early in your career to try not to have a 0.0 at the end of your time entries. Instead of a 2.0, it's a 1.8. Even though you used a timer and you know that you spent exactly two hours on that project. Maybe it's because you think you spent a little bit too much time on the project. So instead of a 4.8, you put down a 4.4. I promise you those 0.1s, 0.2s, and all of them, they add up. And they're adding up throughout every day, every month, all year long. I've seen people increase their billable hours by as much as 100 hours or more in a year just by shifting their mindset and remembering that as a timekeeper, It's your responsibility to accurately record the amount of time spent on a project or client file. All right, moving on. Tip number three is to use a timer. Almost every time entry application now has a built-in timer. And yet every day I hear from people who aren't using the timer to accurately account for their time. I want to tell you about a perfect example of the difference that a timer can make. I had a situation where I was working with a law firm teaching the Bill Blower Bootcamp live through Zoom calls earlier this year. 
Most of their paralegals were not using the timer that was inside the time entry app. The two who were using the timer coincidentally also had the highest annual billable hours. Or maybe that's not such a coincidence. I had them do an experiment, set and use the timer for three consecutive days. But at the same time, before you turn that timer off to move on to your next project, write down the time that you think you spent, the time that you would have logged for that project. And almost every one of them was short compared to what the timer was. They added all those little shorts up for the three days. And on average, they lost around one to two hours over just those three days. That may not sound like a lot to you, but think about that over the course of a year. Multiply that by 46, 47, 48 weeks, however many weeks you actually work throughout the year if you were to minus off holidays and vacation and sick time. That can really start to add up. That could mean the difference between meeting that billable hour target and not meeting it. That could mean the difference between getting a bonus and not getting a bonus. All right, I hope that this helped you. Maybe you still think billable hours suck. I get it. You're entitled to. But maybe there are also some positives to having billable hours around. Actionable strategy number one, change your mindset because what you resist persists. Number two, be the timekeeper, not the billing partner. And number three, use your timer inside your timekeeping app. And if you don't have one inside the app, then use your phone's timer. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.